Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest, Matthew Paison. He's the CEO of Paison Properties. He's got an interesting story. He's a former former chemical engineer, and now he's a real estate investor, and he's the owner of 200 Apartments, and he's got an amazing story, and I'm happy to welcome him to the show. So Matt, welcome. Chris, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, kind of talk about, you know, um, you know, a lot of people at after COVID, they changed their jobs, they quit their jobs, they pursued their dreams and passions. So talk about your story from chemical engineer, now investor, and now you're buying rental properties. Yeah, that's right. So I made the transition. Uh, it was an overnight transition, 13 years in the making, I like to say. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I graduated chemical engineering school in 2010. Um, did a rotational program, um, and the seeds were planted back then. Actually, my first boss uh, told me I was the worst employee he ever had, and I realized from an early age I needed to have um, more than one customer, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, um, so I, I continued with chemical engineering for 13 years. I did uh, a Fulbright scholarship, did a master's in international management in Spain in Madrid, um, actually in Spanish, and I knew once we did a module on debt, and um, there was a small piece on real estate. Um, a lot of the curriculum was focused on stocks and things, but I just, I latched onto it. It made sense to me. And when I got back to the US in 2014, I started buying and I double hatted for 10 years, almost 10 years, uh, buying single family, small multifamily properties on the side, working full time for a large chemical company. So um, it was, it was a long process, but I am happy to be a full-time investor today. Yeah. That's an amazing story. And, um, what's interesting is I had a, another guest on the podcast and she's also a real estate investor and she's like, you know, real estate is a sure thing, but it's a slow thing. So it's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, um, it's, and it's quite interesting your story because, you know, a lot of the best entrepreneurs, they they cannot hold a job and like, you know, they, like they could not work for just somebody to, you know, taking arbitrary orders from just somebody and kind of like they had to go out and create it. So, um, so, um, talk about, you know, first in terms of mindset, you talk about how to completely reset your mindset about wealth. 
Right. Well, and it, it's it's an interesting transition there because you you brought up taking orders and <clears throat> doing what was is required for the role. And I had always thought I'm from the fourth generation of engineers. My grandfather was building planes. Um, my dad's an electrical and mechanical engineer, and and so that's what I thought my vocation should be. And I I'm proud to to have done the training that I did. Um, but then some of the conversations I mentioned with my boss and not getting that initial good feedback made me realize that there there needs to be another way. What mm. if there's a round of layoffs? What if there's another thing that happens? And I didn't want to be a victim. I wanted to take control. Um, I didn't want to be um, uh, subject to the the whims of a larger corporation. And and so uh, the mindset shift happened uh, in those times. And also just to drive for more. I had always been uh, looking for success. It was always important to me for, um, early childhood reasons and other things. So that drive for more made my mentality shift, uh, in my early twenties. And I realized that in order to achieve what I wanted to in a business and in my life, I needed to think differently than how I did in the past. So I had learned throughout college, my career, um, get a job, uh, save my 401k for retirement, um, put money away for a rainy day, all these kind of months. And the shift really happened when I realized that the end result of thinking that way, and I saw what my family had done for years. And I thought, well, if I do that, then I'm going to get that result. So maybe I need to think differently. And that's what started the mindset transformation for me. Yeah. It's interesting. Once you kind of, um, you realize that, um, there's so many paradigms that were taught, but if you start to question it, it kind of opens up a lot of, um, different, you know, avenues. And you're talking about controlling your time, controlling your income, you know, controlling, you know, where you live, who you work with, um, you know, total, total freedom. So, um, one of these, uh, you know, we'll talk about this, um, what, uh, as we move into it, this um, moving into real estate, what techniques have you used to grow your real estate business so quickly while also working? Yeah, sure. So, and maybe dovetailing on the prior question too, and then talking about growth. Um, the I I learned a lot of things the hard way too. Um, for that mentality, I mean, I was I was living in uh, you know, paying like three hundred bucks, living in a friend's kind of finished basement area to try to pay down my student loans and and really, really grinding hard. And I saw that it wasn't really getting me to the next level. I, I cut to an extreme level and I saw that you can't cut your way to prosperity. So <laughs> I had to, uh, I really had to reframe because I gave, I gave up, you know, three solid years of time. I could have been doing things and, and I cut down travel. I was eating ramen noodles all the time. I did some crazy stuff, right? So it, it, it's, um, I'm saying these things out of what I learned because I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> so, um, so how did I grow um, when I was working full-time? The um, Some of the mistakes that I made, however, did help me grow faster, even though I would have done it differently today. Um, because I paid off my student loans fast um, and I really reduced my expenses, I had more discretionary income to then reinvest. And then I was able to, uh, because I was making good W-2 money, I was able to find good deals and then refinance them and recycle that same capital over and over again um, so that I could buy more deals um, while I was working full-time, while I was getting good reviews in my full-time job. Um, but just the, it, it came down to the deal. And if I was able to find the right property 
that needed some work that wasn't going to take a year to complete, but I could quickly get in and get out, I could accelerate that velocity of money and recycle that capital and use it in other deals um, sooner than if um, I had put down a traditional 20% for a stabilized asset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, uh, and I love this idea of, um, you know, kind of living frugally, but realizing that, you know, there's only so much you can cut, but in order to make your way to prosperity, you either have to invest or you have to, you know, create a business, you know, create more value. Um, the other question is because basically you you set yourself free and um, kind of talk about the step-by-step plan to turn your side hustle into your main hustle in under five years and talk about using business systems to set yourself free. Oh yeah, there's a lot there. So um, to really set yourself free, it's going to require a lot of hard work because you need to perform in your, your day job and then you need to get educated and hustle on your side hustle. So it was a lot of work. My wife and I now have three children under three, so I'm glad I did it when I did because it's uh, depending on on personal situations of the listeners, it could be harder or easier, but it's going to be a grind. So prepare yourself for that. And um, step one really is to get your personal finances in order, get your credit score really solid because whether it's um, whether it's bank loans or whether it's fund um, or bridge loans, lenders will be looking at your credit. Uh, make sure that you're making really solid income, incre- maximize your income, decrease your expenses as much as possible. And the gap is what you can invest. The more of a gap you can create between what you make and what you spend, the more you can um, invest in that that side hustle and really make that happen faster. And then I would say do what you need to do in your job. But if you have a business model that works, um, I'm not saying ease on ease off the accelerator on your main job, but you might need to really ramp up that side hustle fast. Um, so be cognizant of what it'll take and balance. Um, it's perception management at work. It's perception management with your boss and with your colleagues. And um, that way you can really focus on on that side hustle and um, and commit and go for it. Um, th- those are the things that that I did and and tweak along the way, get educated. If something's not working, fix it um, and make sure that you have a way to recycle that capital into the next deal, whether it's real estate or any other business. Um, it's about leverage um, and not just financial leverage. It's also business system. So I was, I'm recording everything that I do. I'm hiring, I was hiring VAs in the Philippines to do cert- public searches for me. And then I would mail letters to folks um, so really find out how you can, because there's only 24 hours in a day, you're working a full-time job. You really need to leverage systems, processes, human capital technology to help you uh, make that jump faster. Um, find those inches that swing the big doors and double down on them so that you can multiply your time and your effort while you're still working full-time. Yeah. I love that because you talk about leverage and then you talked about human capital leverage. Um, and then there's some other, you know, what are the types of leverage, um, you know, in terms of uh, software automation, a lot of it, AI now, um, I kind of talk about how you use you know, those to achieve more freedom. Oh, there's so much there. I, mm-hmm. I, I record, um, I record training videos of myself doing public searches for uh, let's say there's IRS liens with property, credit card judgments with property, et cetera. So recordings, technology, then someone else can do that task. Um, Written documentation and checklists. What's the definition of done? Like, when is it done? When, what do I need? What, 
clear instructions, written instructions for your team. Um, and then for on the AI side, um, we're doing so for content generation, social media generation, idea generation, um, for like Haro articles, for publication, for the SEO work that we're doing. Um, and, and also for creating reels. I mean, e even this podcast can be uh, spliced up using Opus, um, uh, you know, and, and creating reels of certain content. So, um, and it, it, it's, you can turn long form content into reels fast with the letters, you know, and all the words coming up onto the, the reel. So we use tools like that to really cut down on manual processes um, because the truth is you're hustling, you're working a, a full-time job, you need to be smart about how you leverage that time. Um, I did most things wrong starting out. I hand wrote, you know, 600 letters. I mean, it was part of my desire, my, my drive, but there's smarter ways to do things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's all about leveraging your time and kind of um, it's separating your time from your income. So um, yes. once you sever it, sever that relationship, you're financially free. Um, so we'll kind of talk about, you know, the, the nitty gritty of, um, you know, uh, managing real estate. And then we'll talk about kind of more inspirational and kind of talking about, um, so kind of the most important financial metrics for business owners to know about their business. Oh yeah, that's, that's really key. Um, so for business owners, um, I'm always looking at what's my return on investment and I'm looking specifically for real estate, my cash on cash return. So how much money do I have into the deal? And then what, how much of a cash flow am I making on that investment? Um, the idea is to get as much capital back that you can so that you're effectively making rents on little to no capital invested. Um, so I like to look at my ROI, my return on uh, my return on my income or what, what I've inv or investment, what I've invested. Then my ROE is my return on equity. So how much equity do I have in that property? The difference between equity is the, the, what the property appraises for vert, uh, minus what your mortgage is. So if I'm making just a simple example, um, if I'm making $1,000 a month in rent, so that's $12,000 a year, um, let's say um, you know, $6,000 go to other expenses. Um, and so let's say, and then you have a mortgage. So let's say just for simple terms, I'm making $2,000. Um, a year net bottom line cash flow, which could be low depending on the market. Um, if I, uh, let's say I have $40,000 of equity, well, that's 2000 divided by uh, 40,000. So that would be my, um, that would be my return on equity. Um, so I, I like to look at if it's going to take more than 10 years for me to get all that equity back in my cash flow, it might be time to sell that asset. So that's what I look at. What's my ROI and my ROE. Mm, yeah. And then kind of talk about um, the next thing is uh, your best advice for finding off-market deals and negotiating with sellers to buy properties off-market. And, um, you know, kind of you talk about top five ways to find these even while working a full-time job. Right, right. Uh, this this was the, the secret sauce for me. So I hope the listeners can get value. Um, I would reach out to sellers directly. Um, if you go through realtors or the MLS, you'll be waiting a long time. Um, so I would reach out to sellers directly with letters um, and uh, just through my network. And more recently, now I do more inbound type stuff with Google ads and our SEO efforts on our website, Facebook ads, stuff like that. Um, but reach out directly to the seller and solve a problem, provide a service. 
um, know your market and understand what the seller's going through, it's either a people problem or a real estate problem. And if you can solve one of those two or both for the seller, you can add value and the value shows up as a lower purchase price. Um, so it's tricky to balance. I was ducking into conference rooms. I was, you know, taking days off to, or half days, right. To go, uh, look at properties and, and, uh, taking unplanned calls at work, shutting my door, hoping no one would hear me. So, um, <laughs> you know, you have to be, be mindful. Um, you don't want to, um, you don't want to compromise your full-time job that gives you the ability to get that bank ability and those good real estate loans doing your side hustle, but you don't want to never do your side hustle because you're doing your main thing. So it's about balance, reaching out directly to sellers and um, adding value to them. Yeah, I love that. And then, um, you know, the beauty of real estate is that it's capital efficient, either through cash flow, um, you know, you can refi a lot of different ways. And, it's, you know, as opposed to a 401k, it's locked up for you know, whatever, 50, 60 years, and you can't touch it, right? So um, kind of talk about what strategies have you used to recycle your capital from deal to deal? And, um, you know, you talk about cash out refi, all of that. Yeah, I mean, the 401k thing was a huge, um, I, I invested it in, in it for too long. Um, and uh, you put in 100% of the money. And then so you're making any returns is on 100% of the money that you put in. Whereas in real estate, I get all the upside of owning the asset, but I only put in 20% so, um, or less. So um, if, the, if it's a $100,000 property, it goes up to $106,000. I made $6,000, but that's on a $20,000 investment. So it's six divided by 20 instead of just that 6%. So that's why I love real estate. And then when you buy at a further discount, it just amplifies your, your return. So to recycle your capital, if it's that same $100,000 house, let's say you buy it for 60 because um, you solve a tenant situation for an owner um, or you're willing to roll up your sleeves and do work on nights and weekends like my wife and I did, um, then maybe you put $20,000 into the house um, plus your time and you went and found the deal. So that took costs. Um, and uh, But now you can get an $80,000 mortgage. So if you buy for 60, you put 20 into it, rough numbers, there's some transactional costs and you get a mortgage for 80, well, now um, you can get your money back and go do the next deal. Um, so you'll still have to, when you buy it, you'll still have to put the 10 or 20% down when you buy at $60,000. But then when you refinance, the lender pays off, uh, the permanent lender pays off the, the bridge lender and issues you cash out. And that's how we were able to recycle. Yeah. And that's why it, it's so, it's like, it's so efficient. Like, a, like, you know, like I said, you know, a, you know, a stock portfolio or whatever, you know, you can sell it or sell with, but then like real estate is like, basically it's so capital efficient. And plus you have tax advantages, you got depreciation, uh, tenants paying down everything. So um, really that's why, you know, most of the high net worth individuals here in United States may have own real estate, um, you know, kind of, as we end it, we, um, you know, people are inspired. How do you know when it's time to take the leap and quit your W2 job in form of uh, entrepreneurship, either real estate or, you know, starting a business, um, kind of talk about those factors. Yeah. It, depending on the person for me, I never, I held on probably too long and I was never fully ready. I was scared. And, um, but I saved up um, cash reserves and I said, okay, I want at least 12 months of 
cash reserves for all the properties and our personal and everything. So um, just having the money actually in the bank, um, not, um, oh, well, if I sold this and that, just sell the properties in advance or create liquidity events before jumping. Um, and then also socializing with your lenders. Hey, if I were to uh, be doing my own thing and I'll put myself on payroll in this other company, but um, if I were to move on from this company, would you still lend to me if the deal was good? Um, not saying I'm doing anything drastic, but just just to take their temperature and um, the lenders will, uh, they'll tell you because at the end of the day, the reason for keeping the job is, is the banking, right? So um, those were just some of the tips and tricks. And um, I tend to be a little bit more risk averse. So I kept my role longer. So once you move on, you could always get another role, but it's, it's a little bit easier to just keep what you have an extra three, six months than jump too early. I found I, I was never in the burn the boats camp, you know, just go all in. That wasn't my mentality. I, I, um, I had studied a long time to become a chemical engineer and, and really build that career. So I didn't want to jump too soon. Um, but once I had the cash, the assets, um, then it was time. Yeah. Essentially, you had your financial freedom and you basically work became optional. So that's um, right. And uh... <laughs> well, the and really what I knew was when I could sense that I was losing the opportunity cost was so high that it became painful that I knew that, wow, I'm sacrificing all these deals I know I've been able to do for the past five, six, seven years to do this task for that employer. I'm losing money. Once the opportunity cost is too high, then you know. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Very inspiring, and I love um, your just story of hustle, grid, you know, just kind of different mindset and basically making things work. And um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you came out, you know, further and better than your the the, the last employer. And so, um, kind of talk about how people can follow you, reach out to you, follow your social media, check out your work, etc. Yep. I am at peasonproperties.com and all of our social media is peas on properties. And I uh, would love to uh, connect with anyone who's interested in learning more. And for all the audience out there, let's thank Matt for coming on. Um, like I said, I love entrepreneurs and, um, you know, really check out his social media, all of his works, and they'll be in the links in the show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. you are listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week